do something a little bit different for me today, but the end goal is for everyone to be free in an area they want to be free. I mean, I'm wearing my George Washington shirt, man. My favorite shirt that I own, literally. I wear it all the time, I know. I'm wearing holes in it. I'm like, please hang on. Please hang on. Um, anyway, it says, we behaved as men determined to be free. And it's a, a quote from George Washington and things. So I love our country. I'm going to talk about that for a minute, but then I also want to talk about the church. And then I want to talk about what Jesus did for us. And again, the goal is if you feel heavy laden or burdened right now, or if you feel like you have been put in chains or bondage, or you have been closed into a small room and you feel like you're suffocating, Jesus wants to release you today. He wants to release all of us. I mean, felt, you don't have to raise your hand, but you've just felt suffocated, like one thing after another after another, and you're like, okay, I'm done. I can tap out, right? Yeah. Jesus wants to bring freedom today. It, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. And so we're going to get to that. We're going to get to Scripture. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles, there's a couple of places, but we'll be in John 8 and Luke 4, and then I'll read some more. So John 8, Luke 4, that'll be right at the end. So you got plenty of time. John 8, Luke 4. Um, and God, just ask that you bless this time. In Jesus' name. See, I've, I've um, as long as I've been a pastor, I've steered very clear away from politics and talking about, um, you think, oh, you've steered, yeah, as much as I really want to speak about it, I've steered clear of that, how much I've wanted to. So I mentioned it, we talked about it, we talked last week about Roe v. Wade being overturned, and we celebrate that, you know, we wear our life bracelets, we've been wearing these things for I don't know, since I was in high school, I've been wearing one of these life bracelets. Um, that was always the debate that I would love to, to get into in my debate classes is, is I was pro-life and, and you can't kill someone if they don't have a choice. Like, I'm, I'm pro-choice. Like, well, there's two people there, you know? And so I, that was a very near, I, I just cried when I heard the announcement from the Supreme Court. And I wanted to celebrate that day because I knew the next day it meant we got to get back to war. Honestly, because uh, they're they're not going to sit back and, and just say, oh, well, they, you know, they they said that it's back to the states now. It's going to ramp it up. And so there are some things going on in our world that we need to be aware of and and um, murdering of over 60 million just in our country. Did you know how many how many abortions there have been worldwide? Anyone have a clue? An estimate how many worldwide abortions there's been since since the, the 60s, 70s? Anyone know? over a billion over a billion innocent children slaughtered for convenience and sort of like well I mean we're really bad here in America but we've only we've only contributed 60 to 70 million of that the rest of the world is Europe and 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 Asia and other parts of some countries they only have a one-child policy you know China has had that one-child policy for a long time you can only have one kid and then and then that's it. So there's been some evil things done in the world at the name of convenience, at the name of control. And so I do want to talk a little bit about politics today. Um, we're celebrating Independence Day. We're not just celebrating the 4th of July. Come on. We're not celebrating the 4th of July. We're celebrating the day that our country declared its independence. And we didn't declare our independence because we were just some rebel rousers and we, we wanted to do what we wanted to do. We, we declared our independence because the government had gotten to a place of control over everyday life where it began to restrict our ability to serve and worship God the way we saw fit. That was what this was all about. Yeah. 
I've got Hank here, a history teacher. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be looking at Hank as I go through this. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's history. They, one of the biggest reasons, besides no taxation without representation and the things we've heard, there was a big problem with the fact that we weren't able to worship God. And, and there was this push to push the church into one day of the week. And we were saying, no, when we say we serve Jesus, we serve God, we serve him every day of the week. And I have the freedom to express my worship to him every day of the week. Yeah. And so you hear people now saying, well, there's separation of church and state. Well, if you read the Constitution, those words are never uttered in the Constitution. It's not a real thing. It was, it was in a letter written later um, uh, that had nothing to do with the Constitution. And people are trying to say that you can't worship as you want to. And that was one of the major reasons why our country broke off. Um, but here's, what, here's the point for today. We're going to be set free at the end. Okay? Yeah. But here's, here's what we have to understand. The political and the religious spirit have a common goal. The political and the religious spirit have a common goal. Their goal is to keep people in bondage. Yeah. Period. Religion and political, the political realm's goal is to keep people in a place of bondage, all right? They do not want you and I to know that we're free people. They want us to have the illusion of freedom, but then there's a wall when we actually try to execute our freedom. How many saw that through the whole COVID thing? We thought we were free, but we weren't really free. Because we were told you're locked down. You can't go here. You go. I understand in the beginning all the stuff. I'm not getting and going back in that. My point is we're really not free if we don't have the ability to choose for ourselves. Yeah. All right. And religion and politics, both religion and government politics, their goal is to manage people. Yeah. How many like to be managed? Is that, is that fun when you're like you're managed or you're controlled like in, in a way that's that's not looking out for your best interest because that's another thing religion and politics has in common. They're looking out for their best interest, not ours. Are you all okay? Is it all right if I do this first? Like get, get permission? Like, I don't know, where are you going? Well, we'll see. They don't want people to live freely. They don't want us to know how free we really are, that we're actually powerful, that we actually vote you in. That we actually choose you, even in the politics and the religious realm, we either vote you in or we choose to follow you. Your power and authority comes from the governed. So your job in the political and the religious atmosphere is to do what's best for the people, not what's best for you. And that was a problem that the government and religion has in common. They don't want us to know we're free because the moment we realize we're free, we'll realize how minimally... <laughs> useful they are. Yeah. Government is useful, but only a little bit. Religion and the hierarchy of religion is useful, but only a little bit. The goal is for us to be free. And so I'm just going to jump into this. Um, this is one of my, my favorite subjects. Um, and so let's do a quick brief history of the USA. All right. You all with me? Yes. All right. Please hang in here. I promise. When they came against these, they called them usurpations, these oppressive laws that were put upon them. When they kept butting up against them and they would offer, hey, this is a little oppressive. Could you do something else? They were, they were ignored. They weren't listened to. And so they began to have a debate among themselves. And this was the question that they wanted to know. Where do our freedoms come from? 
All right, when you think politically right now, governmentally, where do our freedoms come from? And what our founding fathers decided was that our freedoms don't come from our government. Our freedoms come from the creator. And the government's job is to protect the freedoms that were given to us by our creator. I'm going to say that again because we've kind of forgotten that. The government's job is to protect the freedoms that we have that came only from God. So we have a negative constitution, not a positive one. So the Constitution doesn't say what government can do. Have you ever read, the, read it? It's been a long time, I know. The Constitution isn't about what the government can do. The Constitution strictly says all through it what the government cannot do. It restricts the government because it says that people are smart enough to be governed by God himself. Yeah. All right. So they're sitting around saying, Hey, we're, we're being oppressed. We're being overtaxed. We're being pushed out of our churches into our homes and told we can't worship. We can't have jobs. We can't do the things that we want to do. We're being, we're being oppressed. And we keep asking them for, hey, hear us. Here's how we're experiencing you as government right now. And the government continued to, dis- to, to forget them, not listen to them at all. And so they, they realize that our freedoms comes from God. Through hardships, through a government... Uh, that was trying to tell them what they could and could not do, they realized that it was, it was tyranny. And so this was their conclusion. So on July 2nd, 1776, they wrote this, excuse me, gorgeous document. And they made a declaration of independence. And I'm going to read it. Not all of it. But I'm going to read parts of it. And we're going to go on. So bear with me today. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, and this is what they said, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal stations to which the laws of nature and nature's God, whose nature and nature's God, the creator. That's what they're saying. He entitled them with these freedoms. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which which impel them to separate. What they're saying is we're not just going to run off and separate from the from England. We're separating because we're going to be our own nation and we're going to let them know why we're going to be our own nation because they have not listened to our complaints over and over again. And they say this. Now, everyone listen to this. This is so beautiful. This is probably the greatest document outside of the Bible and prophetic writings ever written. Because listen to the first line. We hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, we believe that every person, because of God, the creator, and the conscience that he puts inside of them, that they know what truth is because of him. And we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men, everyone say all men. That includes women, all creation, that they were all created equal. Come on. Equal. And that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. These are rights that cannot be taken from us. These are rights that cannot be infringed upon. And they're saying these have been given to us by our creator. And here are the rights that they've given us. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Come on. Everyone say life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, now listen to this part, governments are instituted among men. 
Governments are instituted among men and they are deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. When was the last time our government made decisions based upon our real consent? That's what they're going through right here. They're really struggling with this. And this is whenever this government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter, to abolish or to institute a new government. And then it goes on and it begins to list the oppressions that they've been suffering. And it goes on down and it says, now we have been wanting uh, in attention, the British brethren, we have warned them from time to time of these things. And they're telling them, you haven't listened to us, so we're breaking away from you. We're divorcing you. And here's why. And he says, we, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in Congress, appealing to the supreme judge. That we're, not, we're not making appeal to the British government. We're making a declaration and an appeal to God. And they declare our independence from, from England. What was the whole reason that they broke away was because the government began to become out of control and began to begin to govern in a way that said that your rights don't come from the creator. Your rights come from us. Now, I want us to understand this because we need to know this going forward. We live in a country where we need to remember our founding documents that says the government can't tell us what our rights are. The government is restricted in doing that. Do you believe this anymore? Yeah, come on. Like, this stuff isn't even being taught in schools anymore. Civics and, and this, this type of talk isn't allowed because, because they've painted America as a colonizing nation, as a negative nation. And yeah, we do have sins from the past. Absolutely. Every nation that's here on the earth has sins from the past. Did you know every nation colonized? Every nation overtook the weaker people that were, that were living on their country land before they came. Every nation that's like that. And so for, for them to paint us into the corner, it's deeper than that. It's not just because we wanted to be free people. It's because we wanted to be free people serving God. That's why the world hates America. That's why the world wants to go a completely different direction. We want to reimagine democracy. No, first of all, we're not a democracy. We're a representational democracy, which means we elect people that they go and they speak for us on our consent and our behalf. And we vote democratically for those people. But those people aren't supposed to go there and preach their opinions. They're supposed to go there and say what we tell them to say. Instead of standing and holding court in front of the media saying, well, this is an illegitimate Supreme Court or this is an illegitimate law. Did we tell them to go there and say that? No, I don't remember telling them to say that. So you see what happens when government isn't reminded you're here to protect my rights, not tell me what they are. My rights don't come from you. They come from God. And, and what I love about all of this was they, they said we are trying to submit to you as our as our governing body but you're not listening to us. And so because over years and over time of of offense after offense after offense, we have to do something about this. And here's what we're going to do about it. And that's what they did. Amen. What was the question they were trying to answer? Where do rights come from? Where does freedom come from? Now, let's look at the religious world. All right. So I'm going to paint the picture. Religion and politics both have a similar goal. It's to control people so that they can have power. Amen? Y'all good? All right. So after the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, the church was grappling with a similar question. 
Where do our rights and our freedoms come from? And they realized through hardship, through, religi- through a religious system that was the ones who told them what they can and cannot do, they realized that it was very corrupt and hypocritical. So this is what they decided. How many have ever heard of Martin Luther? Yeah, come on. Martin Luther. How many remember he nailed the 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, in Wittenberg uh, Germany? Anyway, on October 31st, Martin Luther posts these, these things on the door, 95 grievances he had with the Catholic Church at the time. And it began a Protestant reform, reformation. And we need to know this because we are part of what came out of this movement. All right? So you got politics and you've got religion, both trying to control people. And in these theses, Luther condemned the excess and the corruption of the Roman church. Did you hear that? The corruption and the excess of the church was what he was frustrated with. Especially the practices of the pope asking for payments that were called indulgences. Has anyone ever heard of the word indulgences? You know what it, you know what it meant. So basically in Witten, Witt, Wittenberg, indulgences were outlawed. But they would go to other cities and other regions and they would pay the Catholic church money for forgiveness. They believed that if we paid enough money according to the crime or the sin that we committed, that if we paid enough money, then we were forgiven. And we no longer need to go and ask God for forgiveness, but we just pay money to the Catholic church. And really what was going on was that at the time, a Dominican priest named uh, Johann Tetzel was commissioned by the Archbishop of Mainz and Pope Leo X to, as a fundraising campaign. Remember last week we read about how God was tired of our fundraising, fundraising campaigns? in Germany to finance the renovations of the St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. So what is happening is they want to fix this church in Rome. So what they came up with was a plan to say, well, if you give us money for forgiveness, then we'll send that money to Rome to fix this church. And you don't have to go to God anymore to ask for forgiveness. You just pay us money. And they were called indulgences. And Martin Luther and a bunch of people decided this wasn't right. This is corrupt. This is excessive. This is not godly. It's, It's evil, actually. And so um, Prince Frederick III, uh, the wise, had banned the sale of indulgences here, but people would go to other regions and pay for them. And they would come back to Wittenberg and they would say, hey, I've been pardoned because I paid for this indulgence. And it really frustrated Luther. So he began to write these theses and he posted them on the door and they were quickly snapped up and they were put in the German language and passed around to everyone. A copy made its way to Rome. And efforts were made to convince Luther to change his preaching. Stop saying these things. You can't talk about this. So the church had had decided we get to determine what you can say and what you can't say. Not God. We do. You see the correlation? We tell you what you can and can't do. Not God. And so they, they go to Luther and they're like, you've got to stop this. But he refused to be silent. So on September, uh, April 17th, sorry, of 1521, Luther was called to this thing called the diet in, diet in worms. Has anyone ever heard that before? The diet in worms. You're like, what a weird, like, did they make him eat worms because nobody liked him and everyone? No, that's not it. The word diet literally meant the assembly of the Holy Roman Empire. And it was held in worms, Germany. So they had this assembly, and at that time, there was a confusion and tension between the religious world and the political world. They were both fighting for the same power, and they were butting heads, because the Catholic Church got really powerful, and Rome didn't like that, and they were beginning to have some conflict. But instead of appealing to the church world, 
It was the, the Roman Catholic government, the Roman government was who, who hosts this, uh, this meeting. So in response to questioning, Luther said, yeah, I did write these books and I've been preaching these things. They were mine. But they asked him to reject or to recant and he requested time to think about it. So the next day he came before the assembly and Luther refused to retract his works unless, uh, he, unless he was convinced by error through scripture that he was wrong. Otherwise, he stated, my conscience is clear and I'm bound to the word of God. And according to, to, to tradition, this is what he actually said to them. Here I stand. I can do nothing else. <laughs> and so disorder broke out. They dismissed the diet for the day. Sounds like a good idea. Dismiss the diet for the day. So then on y'all okay? I know this is really different. I told you this is, this is different. Uh, Pope Leo X formally excommunicated Luther from the church and they issued the famous Edict of Worms. And what that literally meant was it forbid anyone to either by word or by deed help, defend, serve, sustain or give favor to Martin Luther in any way. It also declared that he was an outlaw and he was a heretic and it gave people permission to kill him with zero consequence. But Luther was protected by Prince Frederick and he went and hid into hiding and he began working on a German translation of the Bible, a task that took him almost 10 years to complete. All right. I'm almost done with the history part and we'll jump into it. So the term Protestant came soon after that in 1529 where Charles V revoked a provision that allowed the ruler of each German state to choose whether they would enforce the Edict of Worms or not. But a number of princes and supporters decided that they were on Martin Luther's side and that they would not do uh, and, and live up to the Edict of Worms. And, and so they were called protesters, Protestants. And this is how our church, the church the part of, a lot of the churches that we're part of, the Methodist, the, the Lutheran, the Calvinist, all this stuff came out of this movement and it created a revolution, right? That, that over the next three centuries would revolutionize the Western civilization. Not long after that, the, the printing press was made and the Bible was put into people's hands, which gave people the belief that, oh, I'm actually powerful and God actually talks to me and I actually have a relationship with him and my freedoms and my rights come from him, not from the Pope or from the church. And it totally changed the whole world. Do you know what happened after this stuff went on? There was a thing called the Enlightenment. How many heard of the Enlightenment? All across the world, some of the greatest scientific innovations came out of this moment. And I believe it's directly tied to the fact that people began to realize they were powerful and they had a connection to God, the creator, and his creativity began to flow through people. Some of those most beautiful music we listen to in the orchestra is written not long after this time because of the breakthrough that happened, uh, with the breaking the back of the religious and the political spirit. So what was Martin Luther most angry about? There were three things that he believed. He believed in faith in Jesus, not good works would bring people to salvation. It was, it was not works, it was faith in Jesus alone. He believed sola scriptura, the Bible alone is the infallible word of God, that it's God's, it's, it's his word. There's nothing wrong with it, right? And he also believed in the priesthood of all believers. These were the three things that he most, most fervently fought for. Do you know why that's important? Because it says that every one of us sitting in the pews are equally, uh, have equal access to God the Father as the people we put in positions of authority in the church. Church. 
And that is a revolutionary way to think. You want to see our church change? Every one of us realize that we're a priest. We're a kingdom of kings and priests. That we're not just sitting in a church listening to Jared talk or Shagoon talk or Rodney talk or whomever talk. You are empowered as a king and a priest in the kingdom. You have direct access to God. And this was the thing they fought for. Your rights and your freedoms come from God, not from fire life, not from the global church, but from God himself. And that's a freeing thing. And I believe we're going to see another revolution in science and technology that's it's already started, but we're going to see an increase in it when the church begins to realize that we're a kingdom of kings and priests and the creator and the, and the authority that he has is going to begin to flow through us like never before. Why did those two things happen? Because in John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus began to declare this when he began to preach. You're like, thank God, we finally got to the Bible. I told you it'd be there right at the very end. John 8, 36, and Jesus says, therefore, if the Son, who? Son. Come on, y'all got it. If the who? <laughs> if the Son makes you free, then what will happen? You will be free indeed. Not if the government makes you free. I've heard some amazing stories of people that were political prisoners, that were believers, that said, yeah, I may have been locked in a cell, but they can't lock up my soul and my spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I was free in there. I communed with God. You see, government and the church world can't determine whether we're free or not. It's Jesus Christ who makes us free. Luke 4, 18, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, freedom to captives and to prisoners, a recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is why Jesus came, for us to be free people. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty for, for which Christ has given you, and do not be entangled again by bondage. James 1.25 says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Would you say that with me? Law of liberty. See, that's the new law that we're under in the new covenant. There was a law, and now there's a law of liberty. There's, there's a governmental law, there's a religious law, but then there's a law that's superior to all of it. It's the law of liberty that comes through Christ. It says if we will look perfectly into that law of liberty and do what it tells us to do and not forget what it tells us, but to do it, not be a forgetful hearer, but be a doer of it, then we will be blessed in everything that we do. Last scripture, and I'm going to talk for a second. James 2.12 says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. What's the point? The world has imprinted a belief on every single one of us on what the limits of our freedom are. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. The world and the church has imprinted upon us what they think the limits to our freedom are. And every one of us live within the boundaries of what we think is freedom. And Jesus is here to blow the doors off of, those, off of that place right now, off that, that prison that we've been in. He's going to expand the walls and say, no, freedom is beyond what you can even ask or think. It's beyond what you can imagine right now. There is a freedom available to us, right? Amen. What does that matter? 
Because the, the, the limit of freedom that we think we have is, is the area of freedom we will walk out in our life. I will live out in practice what I believe my limit to freedom is. Like, man, I, I, I did really good for, for three weeks and, and then I slipped back and I'm not doing good now. I will practice what I believe the area of my freedom is. Come on. Because the mind creates captivity. And God is wanting to reveal to us it is the Son who has set us free. We are not in chains. We are not in bondage. We are not under a law of government or a law of religion or a law of, of oppression. We are under a law of liberty that says you are free. Yes. Like what does free mean? Ask Jesus what freedom means. Because where, where we're going worldwide as the church, we can't go there as enslaved mentally, we can't go there enslaved in our mind as a church. You know, they used to do this with, we've told this before, there's an experiment, let me do this one. This is, this is one, one maybe you haven't heard in a while. It was, it was an f- experiment on fleas. And they would take fleas and they would put them in a small container, they would put a lid on it, and the fleas would jump and they, they would hit the lid and they would just learn that that's as high as they could jump. And then they would take the lid off and the fleas would never jump higher than where the lid was. Yeah. Because they thought that was the limit. They did it with circus animals. That's how they trained elephants. They would stake them to the ground. They would only give them 10 feet, 20 feet of cord, whatever they wanted them to have. And they were free to roam within the boundaries of that staked down tethered cord. And they would do that so long, then they would just take the cord away and the the tether away and the stake away. And the elephant had been trained. That was how far I can go. And you and I are living in a world right now where the church and the the political world has told us where the stakes of our freedom are. And they don't even have to press us anymore. We just jump in and do whatever they tell us to do. We, We jump in and we float down the river and we don't engage our minds. We don't dream with God. Come on. Are you okay? And I know Jesus, he told me, he wants us to be set free today. Like really free. And freedom is scary for a lot of people because it's unknown. Yeah. How many of you ever been afraid of freedom because you're like, well, I don't know what all that means. The Lord doesn't want you to be afraid. That's why he gave us the comforter to go with us. But I'm convinced that we have watered down the church because we have watered down what we think we're free to do. Well, you can't say that. You'll get canceled. Well, then get canceled. You you can't express your opinions in 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 a group discussion at work because you're the weird religious freak. And if you do, then you'll get in trouble. Never mind the boss that's holding the meeting is expressing their viewpoints from a position of power that's made everyone afraid to say what they really want to say. Am I right? And we as Christians, well, we only think we can say, well, we, well there's a separation of church and state. No, there's not. Well, I, I, can't, I can't speak against this agenda that's going on right now. Yes, we can. I'm not bound to say what the world says that I'm supposed to say. Yeah. And I'm not under any illusions either that if I say what I know to be true, that I won't be punished for it. Yeah. And I think that's where the church is really scared. I can't, I can't lose, I can't lose this. I can't, 
I can't risk that. It's not worth it. We, we, can't, we can't tell lies and we can't li let lies be told. Are you all okay? This is something that we've started. We've, we've talked about this in our home with, with our boys too. Like, I've, I've talked with Mandy about it. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be obnoxious. I'm not going to be that guy. But if anything is said where I'm around and it's untrue, and I know it's untrue, I have to correct it. I have to say what the truth is. And if I say anything that's not true, you have to correct me because I don't want to say things that aren't true. Because the world right now is preaching so many lies. Yeah. And it's captivating the hearts of a whole generation of people. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's enslaving them and they don't even realize it. Right. Like, well, can we go out of our house now? Yes, you can go out of your house. No one said you couldn't. But, but there's a whole generation of people coming up, of younger people, that think they have to ask the government for permission to exercise their rights. And that's not real. And there's a whole generation that has been raised in the church that thinks, well, I can't do that because I'll be out of order or I'll, I'll step on toes. That's not right either. You're free. Come on. Everyone, say it. I'm free. I'm free. Ooh. Okay. You know how I heard that? I'm free. Like all head voice. Say it again. I'm free. I'm you get it in your chest. You got to get a little bass in your chest when you say it. I'm free. What does that mean? You get to do what you want to do. <laughs> and when we get out of line, we have a Jesus walking with us to say, hey, you use your freedom for something other than love. Let's reel that back in. Let's try your freedom again through love this time. Then you can express your opinion. Do you love that person? I don't really love them right now. Then shut your mouth. But when you can love that person and say the truth, then go, go for it. Yeah. He said in the Bible goes on to tell us that we don't use our freedom to indulge and to do what we want to do in the flesh. But we do what pleases the Lord and we do what pleases him through love. Amen. And when we can do that, the church can say anything we want to say. I'd love to just jump more into this. But I won't. I'm going to discipline myself. It's time. Your attention span is at its max with all the history and all the reading and nothing on the screen to look at. <laughs> What's the whole point? For me, I don't think I realize how free he's made me. I don't. I don't think I realize it. And you know how I know that about me? I don't dream big anymore. I just kind of play it safe. Because free people dream. Kids dream. There's nothing bad that can happen, man. I'm dreaming. I can do anything. Free people dream. Have you dreamed lately with God? 
Do you have something that makes you wake up in the morning and say, I was alive, I am alive for this thing? It's not your job. Your job's not your purpose. It's helpful. It helps your life. It's something we do. But you were born for more than just to go work at your job. Even if you have a wonderful job and you love it, maybe you own your own business. You were born for even more than that. So for me, and I believe for many of you here, the question today is, do you know how free you are? I don't think so. How do I know? Because I'm not dreaming and going after those dreams. I'd like for you to stand, if you will. We're going to close. Thank you for indulging the history. I think it's important we go back and remember some of this stuff. The Son has made us free. We are free indeed. Would you say that? The Son has made me free. So I am free indeed. When you say this one, I'm under a law of liberty. Wow. You know the picture of liberty with Jesus? He walked with Judas knowing Judas would betray him. That's liberty. He let Judas choose all the way until the end. He let him make a decision. All the way to the end. That's freedom. That's real freedom. I don't want to control your outcome, but I'm going to love you all the way to the end. And I'm going to love on you and love on you and love on you every chance I get so that I can hopefully influence your decision towards a better outcome. But I'm not going to break relationship with you. Because I love you. That's real freedom. And that's what Jesus did for us. That's how free we are right now. Jesus is walking with every single one of us every step of the way. Not running from our weaknesses. Not running from our downfalls. Not running from our past or our present. But he's staying with us because we're under a law of liberty. We're free. And we have determined to live (laughs) as free men. Come on. Jesus, I ask you drive that. That was worth the whole sermon, what you just said right there, right there. Drive that into our hearts. We're under a law of liberty, and that means you walk with us in love all the way to the end. That's why you reign on the just and the unjust. Come on, everyone listen to that. That's why he reigns on the just and the unjust. That's why he lets the weed and the tares grow up together until the harvest time comes. Because we're under a law of liberty. We get to choose. But man, he sure loves us all the way through. So Jesus, I ask right now that you would pour your love out upon us. I ask right now, come on, would you put your hands out in a receiving uh, posture? And I just ask you, Jesus, to pour your love on us. I receive your love. We receive your freedom today. If you're one like me and you want to you be free again, just tell them, set me free. Release me from captivity. Release me from bondage. Release me from pain and suffering, God. 
Enlarge the place of my territory. Enlarge the freedom I believe I have in my mind. Come on, give me a better image of freedom. Give me a better view of freedom in my mind. Let me dream with you. We break the lies right now. We break the lies right now. I heard a definition this week that's going to help right now of lies. I'm going to butcher exactly, but this is basically what they said. Lies are a wrong thing empowered. So some of us have like gone through experiences and, and, and it's lied to us and that experience has taught us something that was a lie. It taught us how to act or how to stay within the lanes or um, how to react or how to limit ourselves, to govern ourselves. Um, and it was all a lie, but it was based upon something that was real. But it empowered a wrong thing, and it was a lie. To, a lie. And the Lord wants to break you free from that right now, of experiences that have taught us yeah. and empowered us, but they were the wrong thing. So God, I ask right now that you would redeem our past. Give us your mind. Give us your eyes. We break agreement with lies right now. See, when I believe a lie or something that's empowered me, that's the wrong thing that becomes a lie, I build my house on the sand. Come on. And I think I'm doing the right thing. I'm building. I'm working hard. I'm doing a good thing. But I don't see when the storm comes, it's going to crash. Because I built my life on a lie. The Lord's going to release us from that right now. I believe that very strongly. Anyone else felt really restricted lately? Just box, just raise your hand if that, I'm raising both hands. Like smothered. And not by the Texas heat. <laughs> just smothered. That too. Like I guess hell comes with the Texas heat. The smothering, suffocating. You wake up to it. You go to sleep to it. Just that impending doom. We break free from that right now in Jesus' name. We release hope. We release hope right now. Hope is the anticipation of good. God, I ask that you would release hope into our hearts right now. We are not suffocated. We are not restricted. We are not boxed in. We are not trapped. We are free. We have options. We're powerful. We get to choose. And you go with us the whole way. Come on. Would you pray for your neighbor right now? Pray freedom over him. Just bless him. Jesus, we release freedom in this house right now. Come on. We release you right now. You are free.
Come on, you're free. You are free. A new, a new today, a new tomorrow is here. We just declare it right now. Oppression leave in Jesus' name. Depression leave in Jesus' name. Come on, if, you, if someone came to your mind for oppression, depression, or if that's you, would you just declare freedom right now? Oppression go in Jesus' name. Depression leave in Jesus' name. <clears throat> For if the Son makes us free, we are free indeed. And we are under the law, the perfect law of liberty. The perfect law of liberty. Oh, oh.